I'm going to bring it. <laughs> Watch you squirm today. <laughs> We share our experiences through the energetic practices that have changed our lives. Our mission is to encourage you to explore and experiment on your healing journey to find what works best for you. Thanks for listening. And now for the show. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Is This Shit Legit? Episode 12. Heather just reminded me, and I still kind of half forgot. Episode 12 of Is This Shit Legit? I'm your co-host, Carrie M., and I am joined by... Hi, Vibe Heather. Welcome. Today we're going to talk about something that may not sound like an energy healing practice, but I think it is, and we're going to get into it today. We're talking about yoga. Yeah, actually, I think yoga is a really awesome spiritual tool. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been around for a very long time for people to like really connect with their bodies and their breath through movement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. So we did stuff a little bit different for this episode, and Carrie was the one who was put in the research seat, and Heather took a break, so she didn't have to do all the research. And yeah, we're excited to see how this pans out Yeah, <laughs> when Carrie does the research, because I don't usually, so we'll see. And we talked about last episode how I'm more of the, like, I dabble in lots of little different things and don't always get caught up in the specifics, so we're going to we're gonna see how I do on the research front. That's right. That's right. I was teasing her that I was going to bring the heat, be ready for all the, all the questions. <laughs> okay, so I do want to start this episode with, um, not necessarily a disclaimer, but just a shout out that... Part of my research was done through a podcast called Let's Talk Yoga, and it's hosted by Arunbati uh, Mangalkar. Hopefully I said that correct. If I didn't, please feel free to correct me. And she has she's a really um, robust yoga practitioner who gives really well-rounded information about yoga and about like her experience as well as the experience of like colonization and that effect that it had on that and just like all these different like arms and limbs and so I just want to make sure that I'm like a lot of what I might say here is not none of what I say is probably original thought it's all things that I've collected throughout my life but some of it is also from her podcast and particularly the episode with Prasad Rangnicker who uh um, I now follow on Instagram after listening to this episode. I was oh, like, this cool. man's amazing. Oh my God, he's so cool. But yeah, he they go over, they have an episode where they go over the origins of yoga and its movement um, through time, perfect. which is kind of like the first part of what we try and do on our episodes is the origins and yeah. like how it came to be. So anyway, I just wanted to make sure that I give them due credit, that I'm not trying to say that any of this is my own, my own, like I've gone through india to figure out these things <laughs> really you didn't, you didn't go on a soul searching journey to not in the last two weeks ashram in india <laughs> so yeah so thank you to both of them for putting that information out into the world so that i could learn more about it awesome that's really cool that you got information from a podcast usually i'm just googling or reading books so it was it was a time that. thing yeah well that works <laughs> I was like well right. I need to take my dog on a walk and I also need uh, to research yes. for this and so I was like oh you know what I bet there's a podcast that talks about the history of yoga yeah. I always but, double dip and use dog walking time to like mm-hmm. catch up on stuff I need to listen yeah, to for sure sometimes it makes me really anxious so I have to be careful it didn't mm. today with the yoga thing 
yeah sometimes when I listen to a podcast I'm walking my dog like it's too much because my dog likes to eat stuff so yeah. I'm like watching him and someone's talking in my ear and it's just like information overload over stimulating like, yeah, yeah just like so sometimes I'll be like and it's a show I want to listen to and I'm like excited about it and then like halfway through I'm just like everyone needs to shut up <laughs> <laughs> like it's just too much and so get guess, your face out of that pile of trash <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I have to be careful about when I combine podcasts and dog walking but. oh yeah I have that same issue with my dog. Oh my God. He's always yanking me into a random bush where he's eating garbage. Okay. Well, down to the show. What did you learn? Tell me that history and origins. One of my favorite things that this man, Prasad, said was that the question was posed, like, what is the origin? Well, let me start with what I thought my, what I thought the origin was. Okay. Yeah. And I don't remember where I picked this up, but it was something I picked up years ago. Like, I've, okay, so I've been doing yoga since middle school. 12, 12, 13. Of course you have, because you also took a meditation class. I did, yeah. I guess I'm realizing how liberal the city was that I grew up in. Little hippie kid. But a friend of mine, her name was Kasha, also kind of a hippie name. Oh, wow, yeah. (laughs) Wanted to do yoga, and so I went to a yoga class with her, and I'll get into that story in a bit, but we won't start there. But my point was, I've been doing it for years and years, and no one in my family does yoga. They're not yogis. They're not into that. My family is very, like... Christian, very um, waspy, white, yeah, Anglo-Saxon, yeah. <laughs> Protestant, you know. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, their yoga is not something that they really cared about. Anyway, so I was kind of the black sheep in that situation. And they would always kind of like, they were supportive enough, but they're always looking at me like out of the side of their eye being like, okay, she's a little weirdo over there. She wants to like stretch all the time. And uh, <laughs> I remember one time my sister said this was, I was probably mid-20s at this point, like 24, 25. And my sister said, first of all, she was, they, I am in no way religious. I am not Christian. And I'm very anti-religion, to be fair. But my family had a hard time accepting that. And they would still just, like, assume that I was Christian and, like, include me under the Christian umbrella, even though I would tell them I wasn't. Anyway, so I remember she was like, so as a Christian, how do you reconcile practicing yoga and I was like, I remember I was like, I don't know what you're asking. Like, you're going to have to clarify here. Like, what are you yeah. talking about? What are you talking about? <laughs> and also, I'm not Christian. Like, how is yoga anti-Christian? Yeah. And so like, well, she what? she said to me that, or the her someone had told her, I don't know where she got this. She said that the practice of yoga is people trying to create the shape of the Indian gods in in a way to honor them. And I was like, that's absolute bullshit. And listeners, that is absolute bullshit. That yeah, is, that yoga never, is. That, that's hilarious. Yeah, but some somewhere somehow it was like yoga yogis are trying to honor Indian gods by twisting their bodies into because I mean if you've seen Indian gods too, I mean they've got multiple heads and arms yeah, yeah. and like all sorts of uh non-human shapes. <laughs> so that is not what yoga is. But I remember telling her in that moment, I don't know where I got this information, but that the basis of yoga, as I understood it, was from Buddhist monks, maybe not Buddhist, but monks who meditated for hours on ends, and they would stretch beforehand to help their body sit still for however long they needed to meditate, and that was the foundation of yoga, was stretching so that you could meditate, which yeah. is like now modern yoga, you have um, your poses, your asana, and then what's the last thing shavasana and then shavasana which is meditation and so that's like how yoga 
came to be the start of its evolution. Yeah. Have you heard that? Something very similar. Yeah. Because through the Kundalini lineage, yoga and meditation are merged. Mm -hmm. So you, the whole practice is you start with the movement Mm -hmm. and the breath work to like clear your mind, settle your body, get all that energy, like moving and like settled. And then you go into the meditation Mm -hmm. so that you can just sit and receive because you've already done the output and all of that. Now it's time to receive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now I would say, and disclaimer to all the listeners, I'm not an expert here. I don't claim to be an expert, but I would say that that is a very modern interpretation of yoga based off of the research that I did for this episode, which is what I wanted to do this episode for, because I understand that there's a very modern sect of yoga that's mm. very exercise forward. Yeah. And then there's the more energy practice form of yoga. And so I want to talk about the differences, the similarities and all of that. So back to the origins of yoga, this man Prasad was talking about it. And he said that at its core, yoga is an impulse to ease suffering. Mm. And I was like, oh, that's really good. That's really rich <laughs> how yeah, we say is. that. So in, in, he also creates it as like a spiritual craving to ease your suffering. And so yoga is similar to kind of like what we're talking about with Reiki of like just this life force energy. Like yoga is an impulse. It is just something that exists in the human condition in the world around us for us to improve our lives Mm. to make ourselves better to like reach self-realization did he get into like the intentions around like how it was meant to ease suffering was it through like using certain postures and asanas yeah no it's not about postures well i don't want to say it's not about postures but he was not focusing on postures in this discussion at all okay it's very much more mentality and like a way to like a lifestyle of mm-hmm. self-realization is what he would say a lot self-realization okay. self-actualization of you yeah. know and it's not necessarily a way to move your body it's more like everything kind of how we're talking about like our brain is always in our body and like everything yeah. you know like is it like shows up in our body the opposite but in support of that of like everything's a mental problem right yeah, like when yeah. you're having body issues it's starting in your brain it's something mental that we need to be paying attention to and so that's what I was taking from my research is that we have to tend to our mind yeah in order to tend to so, our life a way of like connecting with the body slowing down the mind getting out of our thinking brains mm-hmm. and back into focusing on the breath mm-hmm. and listening to the messages the body has to share with you is that Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't disagree with any of that. I think the focus is less on paying attention to your body necessarily. And the focus is more on like paying attention to your life. That makes sense. Paying attention to like the decisions that you're making or like doing all of those things, like you said, like slowing down and like focusing on your breath so that the intent, the decisions you make are more intentional, that you're making more aligned choices that create a life that makes more sense for you yeah that is the essence of yoga topic for later in the episode something that can feel really 
intimidating, I think, for people who haven't tried yoga before, because a lot of the poses and uh, directions that teachers will give you are Sanskrit words. And you're like, I don't know what that means. Yeah. Like, what the hell is like Dandasana? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So anyway, but so researching it too is a similar thing of like, they'll throw in Sanskrit all of a sudden. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> and so I'm doing my best to keep up. Back to the history a little bit for people who like hard numbers. There's not really hard numbers on yoga uh, it's one of those kind of like meditation. It's just kind of always existed as far as we can tell. Like people have been practicing the process of easing their suffering in some way forever. Yeah. So, but we do have a few numbers here that it's potentially about 3,500 years ago. Oh, wow. We start seeing it show up in Sanskrit in different like words that look similar and it's around 800 BC that we start seeing like recognizable elements like prana okay. starts being noted and um, maybe naughties. I can't remember. I didn't write down. My notes are not always extensive. But yeah, we start to see things that like if you were reading it, you'd be like, oh, I've heard of that or I've, oh, we've worked with that before. And then the system. So what I was actually thought I was going to talk more about this episode and I actually after doing my research, I was like, oh, I don't want to talk about this. <laughs> Is there's the, you may have heard about the eight limbs of yoga. Mm -hmm. Have you heard of that before? Yeah. Yeah. And so that was starting to develop around 300 to 500 BC. So this okay. is all more than 2000 years ago. Yeah. Because it's a whole science and like mm -hmm. lifestyle. What are the others? The eight branches, the eight limbs, uh, yama, nayama, asana, pranayama, prat pratihara, dharana, Diana Samadhi. So those are the eight limbs. I'll go through what they say. They are You're like, great. I don't know what any of that means. I know prana is breath, <laughs> right? So yama is restraints, moral disciplines, and moral vows. Okay. Nayama is positive duties or observances. Asana is the posture. And that is what I was mentioning just a second ago. When you go to a class, they'll say a lot of Sanskrit things. It's an asana class. And they'll hear like down dasana or vinyasa mm -hmm. or, or no, it's not vinyasa. <laughs> <laughs> but you'll hear a lot of the Sanskrit, they say ends in ana. Yeah. And it's an asana. That's the posture. So those are the poses that you're doing. Pranayama are your breathing techniques. Pratyahara is sense withdrawal. So oh. like I guess closing your eyes and, you know, or going inward. Yeah. Okay. Tuning out the sounds around you. Dharana is focused concentration. Dhyana is meditative absorption. Hmm. Samadhi is bliss or enlightenment. Well, that's eight. I was about to go on. I was like, and <laughs> nope, that's it. That's the end of the list. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. Yeah. So not what I expected. That's really interesting. So the reason I actually decided I didn't want to focus on this so much yeah. is because the focus of these eight limbs to me kind of feels a bit unbalanced. It feels like we got into it in um, Gene Keys, remember? Oh. About trying to get to like an enlightened point of like once if we practice these other things enough, we're making our way towards bliss or enlightenment. And that's unbalanced because in order to experience the world, you're going to experience a whole spectrum of things and bliss and enlightenment is one end of the spectrum. And if we're trying to only ever be over there, mm. we're disregarding a whole section of reality. Does that make sense? That's an interesting take. Because 
I guess I view it a little bit differently as in like, we're used to suffering. Mm -hmm. Like we're used to living in the low vibration. <laughs> and so like we bring balance to our lives by exploring the extent of bliss we will allow ourselves to experience. Mm -hmm. And then like the more joy that we can experience, also the greater the depths of pain we mm -hmm. can allow ourselves to go to. Yeah. So I feel like they balance each other out in that regard. Like, and it's not like negating one mm -hmm. or the other. So like, I totally get that. And one of the things I love about life and about yoga is that like everyone's perspective is going to be different, right? Yeah, everyone's yeah, yeah. experience in the world is going to be different. And there's so many different types of yoga as well. So oh, like yeah, you take are. like the things that need, that are good for you and you don't need anyway. Um, I think on the topic of the way you're describing that, I love that. I think it's beautiful. I view it more as like undulating between mm. the two. Okay. So we go, <clears throat> excuse me, we go from suffering up to bliss and undulate back and yeah. forth. And if we're trying to stop that undulation on one end of Spiritually the Spiritually bypassed yeah. to just live in bliss. <laughs> yeah. Then we miss, so like, like the goal is to be more, we're using our hands a lot, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, sorry, but we're sitting here and flowing our hands around. But so the goal for me in my life is to find the balance point between those two, knowing that I'm going to be off balance at oh, various yeah. times in my life. But if I'm only focusing on going towards bliss and making sure that I like stay, do my best to spend as much time towards bliss, that to me is unbalanced. And I will say as through my research, I was finding that there are a number of yogic philosophers who also question the elements of yoga. Okay. It is one person. Uh, I might have this wrong. Please forgive me, listeners, if I have the name wrong. But the name that came up a lot was Putanjuli. Oh. And that was, yeah, I have it written down as Eight Limbs of Yoga, late BC, early AD, Putanjuli. So it's a philosopher, yogi person who curated this system okay. of yoga so it's not yeah. yeah so that is I mean I guess if we want to talk about like the founder of yoga that's like one of them if we don't include the thousands of years before that yeah, we're also practicing lots of different types there's a goal so this is something that was really interesting in my research was um the way the goal has shifted oh in yeah. yoga so the ultimate goal which aligns with the eight limbs of yoga the system of that is the removal of suffering like by being your most yogic self in okay. whatever way that is removing your suffering and is the removing of suffering simply just through like acceptance accepting that life is a full spectrum of things and instead of resisting and fighting it you just surrender to it and then you're no longer suffering because you're not fighting it I mean yeah totally could be I think the fun thing about yoga is that it is totally up to interpretation for however it applies to you because we're all individual humans and yeah. so it's all going to apply to us differently and for me yes what you just described is the removal of suffering is understanding that there's so much to experience some heavy, some lighter. Yeah. And it's not always trying to be really happy. It's just understanding that there are so many different waves and chapters of life of your even like day to day yeah. and accepting that 
whatever mood you're in, whatever state you're in, whatever your circumstances are, you can move through that. And it's all transitory. Yeah, exactly. All temporary and just being with whatever it is Mm -hmm. instead of fighting it and resisting it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But so uh, nowadays, if you were to go to a yoga class, you don't get a lot of this discussion. You can a little bit like yoga teachers tend to be a little bit, um, I don't want to say flighty, but like, yeah. And like the spiritual, like, Oh, and like blessings and whatever. But a lot of yoga classes focus on wellness. They focus on the body. They focus on health and fitness, which is not initially, I think where the focus was. And that's not to say it's wrong because yoga can go through its own evolution just like everything goes through a rev- evolution it's what's current it's what seems to be the most prominent and so and you'll even see that through the thousands of years you'll see like and this is true of anything like think about like art you have like the renaissance period yeah. and then you have like the neo-modern classic whatever period you know like there's different periods where things rise to prominence and that's what people are interested in yoga's done the same thing where there's different periods through time where a certain type of yoga rose to prominence and then it falls away and something comes and takes its place. So right now what we're seeing as prominent is the very body wellness focused yoga, the asana. So interesting. And it's so American Mm -hmm. because we tend to, as a nation, be more cut off from the spirituality spiritual yeah spiritual aspect and also the whole internal aspect of it and we're very focused on the external and how we look and how we feel Mm -hmm. like what does this mean about me well you also see like the competitive nature in yoga now of like i can hold this pose for x amount of time and look i can get you know like i can can stand yeah i can you know move from these poses without my feet touching the ground i can stay this you know like there's this competitive nature too to show like um look at me look what i can do (laughs) yeah and how you may be like better than other people at yoga or more advanced maybe not better but you're more advanced and so so it's like trying to get these yogic accolades. Uh, yogic that, accolades. Yeah. And that's a lot of what the focus is. We've westernized yoga. We have. Oh, yeah. so sad. But there are still um, people practicing all sorts of yoga around the world. And it's not just asana, but that is a very prominent one right now. Yeah. What are some of, from your research, some of the different types of yoga practices that you found there's so many different types of yoga i'm not gonna be able to name them all but some of the more um prominent ones ones that are popular vinyasa which is a very big focus on the poses there is kundalini which is the focus on your breath the energy to your body through your breath and there's hatha yoga which is from my understanding maybe a little bit more connected to the yoga that I was talking about at the beginning where it's like the impulse of Mm. relieving suffering. It's more um, static poses and you have to be more introspective in Mm. that versus like vinyasa. You can really focus on like what your muscles are doing. You you know, and then um, Ashtanga. I don't know a lot about Ashtanga, but I know I've heard of it before. And, uh, it's described as fixed and challenging. (laughs) So it's almost, I would assume like Hatha, but like even more slowed down. So those are a handful of the different kinds you can Google too. I was curious, like 
what's the difference between hatha and yin because yin and from my experience is like really slow i'm gonna sit in the steep stretch for three minutes from what you described it sounded like that was also hatha Hatha and yin yoga have several differences between them. The primary differences between these two types of exercises, hatha yoga focuses on building stamina and flexibility, while yin yoga concentrates more on restoring your body and improving your mental state of being. Oh. Hatha yoga targets muscles, while yin yoga focuses on stretching the connective tissues. Hatha yoga is mainly designed to improve body strength, flexibility, stamina, and endurance, while yin yoga is more passive and focuses on stretching muscles and connective tissues. Interesting. Okay. Yin yoga is more meditation-based, focuses on finding emotional balance, while hatha yoga tends to be more physically challenging to prepare for meditation. Oh. So they do sound like they're similar. They're similar practices, but there's... Different intentions. That's what I was okay. just going to say. The intentions might be slightly different. The way you use your body, the the intention towards how you're using your body is slightly different. Since you're not into yoga because of the fitness aspect, what is it about yoga that draws you? The mental aspect, 100%. So my okay. first yoga class when I was like seventh grade was... It uh very deep I, I don't know what kind of yoga class it was I couldn't tell you to this day but it was very like deep restorative guided meditation it was transformative it really like opened my mind to like understanding that like there's so much within me that like, like I can't it just it was this experience right. that like I came out a different person at 12 insane. years old yeah that's so Awesome. <laughs> and so I've spent my life trying to find that type of yoga again to this day. Can't fucking find it. We'll figure it out one day. But so I get stuck in these fitness classes and I get so mad. Yeah. <laughs> I like to do yoga at home and that's where I found the most progress, the most um, connection, maybe not progress, but the most connection to myself and mm -hmm. to the world is when I'm doing my own thing. I used to do, if you've never done yoga before, listeners, Yoga with Adrian is a great introduction. Yeah. If you're too nervous to go to a studio. YouTube yoga is yeah. that bad. Yes. And... we did all COVID. YouTube yeah. yoga. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's so much on YouTube. And Yoga with Adrian has got, she's been doing it for, I mean, probably cool. close to a decade at yeah. this point. There's like, I'm sure hundreds, if not thousands of videos at this point. She is very relatable. She is very... We'll just break things down and you just, uh, and you're in your house alone. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, she's not actually looking at you so you cannot feel um, self-conscious. So she was someone who really encouraged me to figure out what yoga meant to me and oh. how it works for me. Because I started doing yoga with Adrian with the intention of getting back into the studio. And after doing her for like three or four months, I was like, I don't think I ever want to go to a studio again. Like I love this studio. Yeah. I love doing yoga at home by myself. It is like me time. It is not a time to be surrounded by other people. And I don't like it. It's not about comparison. Mm -hmm. It's about yeah. focusing on you and exactly. your practice. Exactly. And mm, so that's really sweet. That was something that I had to, like, it was um a realization that I had to come to of like why I was struggling to find the right quote-unquote the right kind of yoga for me was because I think I was doing it in public with people and I didn't really want to be doing it in public with people yeah it's a more intimate practice for me so for you it's about just connecting with your body taking time for you to slow down self-care mm -hmm. 
introspection. Yeah, there's one more historical thing I want to discuss before we talk about our own, which I kind of already just talked about my own <laughs> experience, but is the British uh, Empire's impact on yoga. Oh, because they came to India. Mm -hmm. They colonized India, I think, in the 1300s. Where did they point? not? No, yeah, <laughs> they've also colonized the entire world. India is one of those places where they've had a very heavy footprint. And there's discussion about like how that affected the evolution of yoga because pre-British invasion, yoga was very lifestyle-esque, right? Like there were just people who were like really into it and like they would just spend their days being yogis. And I, don't, I can't exactly explain yeah. what that is, but that's just what they were. And then you have all of these white British people come in and view these productivity as barbarians. <laughs> yeah. You guys are savages. You don't, you're wasting your time. You don't know what, how to make money or how to use your, you know, like your um, metals and jewels. And so they come in and they start criminalizing people who are like, um, was it Hatha yogis or something? But there'd be like people walking through the street and they're like, you know, teaching their ways and stuff and other people will be following them. That became criminal where they were, because they weren't giving to society, right? They weren't giving to the British society. <laughs> like, like, well, they are giving yeah, to society. They're absolutely <laughs> giving to society, but they're not giving to British productivity. Yeah. They're not making money for them. And so, and also, well, and you have to think too, in the context of that too, for a white British person who's never experienced yoga or knows what that is they're looking at that and they're like this is a crazy person because they don't understand it and they didn't take the time to understand it because it's the British Empire they don't take time to understand anything <laughs> yeah they're like we have a way we have a system yeah that we figured out you need to do it and we're going to take over the world with it mm -hmm. and so they have and boy did they <laughs> So anyway, they criminalize these people doing all sorts of yoga and uh, and not really making them money. And so that impact has really shown in the different types of yoga that rose to prominence. Does that make sense? Like yeah. you talk about now in the modern world, this is hundreds of years later, yoga is much more commodified. Yoga is much more uh. a way to make money than it is a way to like help ease your suffering huh. does that make sense yeah and that can be traced back I think to the British Empire that's so fascinating I didn't even think about that aspect mm -hmm. when did the um help me understand the history when did British colonize 1757 okay but let's put invade yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> when they first actually got over there eh, 1700s so that's an impact on how we see which actually kind of lends itself to my line of thinking a little bit better because thinking about how we've commodified yoga at this point versus I love the way that Prasad said it was it's an impulse it's a craving yeah your human experience to help and it's just passed down through lineages of practicing let's hear from you I've been doing lots of talking what's your experience with yoga I was in my 30s that's when I took my first yoga class yeah and so this was probably like 15 years ago and the first yoga class I ever took was at like the Tucson rec center yeah you know it's like, <laughs> like a YMCA yeah exactly <laughs> like uh it was a fitness class and it felt really nice mm -hmm. and so I continued with that and so then I moved to Wisconsin after that and I was like well I want to keep doing yoga and so I 
found a studio that wasn't too far from where I lived and I didn't really do a ton of research mm -hmm. and it ended up being a hot yoga studio. And thus a crazy person was and born. <laughs> I did hot yoga religiously for three years. That's wild. And I didn't really think anything of it. I was just like, oh, okay. Right. Now yoga's hot. <laughs> <laughs> you just thought everyone was doing hot yoga. <laughs> I guess that first class was a fluke. <laughs> they must have forgotten to turn on the heaters. So funny. And so I really enjoyed it. Um, and then I moved again to Portland and got to this time, you know, knowing a lot more, having experienced a lot more. Um tried out a bunch of different places and then really started to experiment with like, oh, there are a lot of different types of yoga that I was completely unaware of. Mm -hmm. And so then I was like, oh, yin is good for stretching and really going slow. And, and vinyasa is more of like, I'm going to get a good workout in mm -hmm. and things like that. So that's my context around like practicing yoga as far as fitness goes. Yeah. Then we have the pandemic. So of course I'm going online for getting that need met. And a friend introduced me to Kundalini. Uh-huh. And so the it was Life Force Academy. There's this guru, <laughs> Jai Dave, mm -hmm. who leads these Kundalini uh, yoga classes. And I got really into that. And that was like really shifted my idea of like what yoga is because he mm -hmm. spends a lot of time in his classes um talking about yogic philosophy mm -hmm. and like teaching about this is why we're doing this and this is how it's aligning your energy and this is like the purpose behind it and how and then having the experience um because in kundalini, there's very intentional asanas or mm -hmm. practices. Practices, whereas like there's one for prosperity, mm -hmm. there's one for opening your heart, there's one for like working through anger. You know, so there's all of these really intentional practices that you can go to depending on what you're wanting to work through or call into your life. Mm -hmm. So that was a really cool thing to understand, like, oh, this can be used as a tool. Sure. And so he called Kundalini the, what did he say, was the practice for the kings and queens of consciousness and was all about like raising in consciousness uh, through like raising your vibration through as you're doing these practices, you know, the breath work, it's clearing out um, like all of this repressed energy within your body that's mm -hmm. like keeping you stuck in these patterns. So like that was cool to experience like, oh, wow, I do feel a lot more clear after doing this practice. So yeah, at this point in my life, I, I love doing all different types of yoga and I will dip in and out of different ones depending on like what I I'm feeling at the moment, like, do I do the breathwork aspect and the meditation and the whole like package of kundalini? Or do I just really want to sweat and go to like a hot yoga class? Do I feel like getting a workout in? Do I just really want to stretch my muscles? So that's how I've uh, experienced yoga and how I use it in my life. But yeah, it's really something for everyone in all different aspects. So I love that. It's a beautiful story. I love that you're willing to explore 
and experience new things and understand that you maybe don't know everything, right? Where you're like, oh, shit. right? <laughs> but then you're like, hey, I thought it was that. And you're like, whoa, my mind just expanded. And then like being willing to accept that and not being like, no, that's not what I know it to be. <laughs> so I love that. On top of that, it reminded me, you remember in our Reiki episode, we were talking about how each Reiki practitioner is going to deliver things a little bit differently depending on how their gifts are, depending on, you know, like if they're more like vision minded or if they're more like intuitive or, you know, like depending on how they experience the world, they're going to give you a different Reiki experience. And I view yoga that same way of like trying to find either the type of yoga that resonates for you really well or types or a teacher Mm. or teachers who have a yogic philosophy that resonates with what you need in that time for you because something else Prasad talked about in this episode which really touched me and kind of resonated with me it was it was um interpretation versus reinventing or redefining Mm -hmm. so part of what he was talking about is the commodifying of yoga and like in the social media space of like trying to be like this is what I do and this is the kind of yoga I create (laughs) but yoga as a life force thing yoga as a mentality yoga as just like something that is an impulse within us is open for interpretation to anybody and those people who are more teacher-minded who are more like of a guide you know we have people in this world that are better at guiding other people yeah yeah. (laughs) and helping things they're the people who can come and interpret things in the way that they understand it and then they can relay that to people who need to hear it, to the people who are like, oh my God, that helps so much. Yeah. <laughs> and so it sounds to me like, was it Jai Dave and Kundalini mm-hmm. is maybe someone who you really connected with that his philosophy and the way he's interpreting yoga for himself and for how he perceives the world is helpful to you. Yeah. Oh, and that's beautiful. That's what we need is to like keep experimenting and finding the yogic philosophers who are interpreting it in a way that helps us expand totally and yeah he did he just really resonated with me and I was like oh this it's so much more rich and deep than what I originally Mm -hmm. thought and so it was really cool to get to be exposed to some of those historical like reference points and why people did this like it was um for them it was a technology Mm -hmm to one ease suffering but also like yeah increasing consciousness yeah so i want to loop back to the original premise of the show as a whole is the shit legit is like the energetic tools that help us change our life i think is what we said yeah. for our tagline you may not view yoga especially if we're more in this modern world in american world if you're here in the u.s <laughs> then you might have viewed yoga as a fitness class right it's a way or it's maybe it's not fitness but it's like supplemental to stretch right because if you're going to do CrossFit or some sort of strength training, then you also want to couple it with yoga to stretch and make sure that your muscles are being tended to. It's like a massage. And while that is useful, and I mean, it also has the mental benefits, like working out has mental benefits as well. There is, um, like Heather was just talking about, like there's an expansion of your understanding of yoga, of the world, of yourself, of like your interactions with other people that can come from exploring different types of yoga yeah this whole spiritual aspect of it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and that all that say yoga is not a religion there is nothing to worship there is nothing it is just something to explore but it was really interesting to research yoga because it's something that's very important to me it's something i've been doing for since you were 12 
25 years now at yeah. this point on and off and it's um I love sharing it with other people I love expanding people's perspective on it because I think that's something that frustrates me I know I've probably said it more than once in this episode but I think we get so stuck in the fitness aspect of it in the asana aspect of doing the postures and then even in those postures we think am I doing this correctly am I doing it right and like people tell you to modify things but then you don't want to out of pride you're like yeah. I don't want to use a block yeah <laughs> I look like I can't do it so like something that's yeah sorry now I guess there is things I want to talk about but like I have short arms I've always had short arms and I have short legs like my torso is longer my limbs are shorter it's just the way I'm built so when I sit on the ground I can't put my hands on the oh. ground and that's something that very often like people want you to sit crisscross applesauce and then put your hands on the yeah. ground my hands don't reach the ground it's just how it is I'd have to slouch my yeah like bend my spine to get my hands to the ground but if I want to have a nice elongated spine there's like two inches between my palms and the ground and so I need a block yeah because my body is not built to touch the ground yeah yeah <laughs> and it took me a long time out of like the pride of like no I should be able to do it this way or like other people can do that and I'm gonna make I'm not good enough if I can't do that and it took me a long time to realize that blocks and straps and things like that aren't a sign of weakness they're yeah. just a sign they're like a sign of strength a sign of better understanding where you are and giving yourself the best chance at doing the things that you want to do yeah so yeah Oh, that's that. a really great thing you touched on there because I do think people have a lot of misconceptions around like using those helpful tools mm -hmm. like oh it makes me look like I'm not that good or I need help or whatever but really that's not the case whatsoever right. it's just everybody has such a different body mm -hmm. and like for the life of me I can't like go into the splits and lean forward like, right and <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'll ever be able to do that because it's just not how my body is built. right and so like there's always going to be things that where we have physical limitations yeah and to hold yourself back out of embarrassment mm -hmm. feeling like there's something wrong with you yeah so that's what I like to share with people is that there's so much more to yoga than just the fitness aspect just supposes yeah. that it's about you it's about experimenting with your body and getting to know your body better and the goal which I've learned through my research <laughs> for this episode is to ease your suffering so and I think that's something that we just talked about like right you know yeah. it could be in class suffering thinking I'm not good enough that I have to use a block or I'm not going to use a block so now I'm going to like twist my spine in an, un yeah, in an unnatural way that's not comfortable so that I look like I'm doing what everyone yeah. else is doing or I can get to know myself and come to accept the way I am shaped and the way that I move and where I currently am that doesn't mean I can't potentially change things probably not going to change the length of my arms but I could change <laughs> my flexibility <laughs> or things you know but accepting where you are and not assigning value to that not assigning like a negative value to yeah that it might not be where you want it to be it doesn't mean anything about you as exactly. a person yeah. yeah so there's my bonus thoughts on you okay and that to me is a very spiritual energetic practice is getting to know myself yeah absolutely yeah well that's our episode on yoga it was just a touch on things i know most people listening i'm sure you've probably heard of yoga you likely practiced it at some point. Yeah, thanks for listening. And wherever you are tuning into this podcast, please leave us a rating and review. We would 
Love to hear your feedback. Feel free to reach out to us. You can find me on Instagram at hi.vibe.heather. And you can find me on Instagram and threads at carrie.m, K-E-R-I dot E-M-M-E. Thank you. Oh, 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 oh,